folks. We're back for another episode of Don't Ruin This For Me, a podcast dedicated to looking back at all the sexism <laughs> and misogyny of the 1980s and then realizing, oh, shit, not much has changed. <laughs> it's tough. Hey, um, if you've ever had dreams only to watch them shatter, if you've ever realized you're just a step on the boss man's ladder, then this episode's for you. That's right. Today we're talking about the endless struggles of the working woman with the classic film, Nine to Five. Uh, Nine to Five. It's the original office space, but with icons Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda. Released in 1980, our hometown boy Roger Ebert (laughs) called it a simple-minded comedy, but then waxed poetic about Dolly's movie debut for like six paragraphs. (laughs) What? Because he loved her tits. He thought she was so good. He was like she he compared her to Marilyn Monroe what? yes he was like she is a life force and you know what he's not wrong because Dolly is the best and her hair levitates around her head like cotton candy and every scene she sparkles she is sparkles yeah. I mean she's just the yes. greatest and obviously our girl Dolly wrote the lyrics to the hit song nine to five which slaps till this day to this day I listened to it on the way over here it's a rich man's game no matter what they call it and you spend your life putting money in his wallet. I mean, Beyonce needs to thank Dolly right. for paving the way on these capitalism fuck the man songs. Yeah, fuck those men. Anyway, it's been 43 years since Dolly spoke truth to power, and I cannot wait to talk about how the plight of the working woman has changed. <laughs> or not. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode, you guys, because... You know, sometimes we book these shows, like we we book the movies, or these are the movies we're going to do, and then we like put our people together with it. And um, I just think it's coincidence that it's so great that we do 9 to 5 today, and our guest, Miss Dina Nina Martinez Rutherford, (laughs) (laughs) a friend of the pod, is just recently elected to being the first trans alder person of Dane County, Wisconsin, a.k.a. Madison. Okay. What's up? Right. We're so proud of her. And she's a producer and creator of Lady Laughs Comedy. And so we are so thrilled to have you today, Dina. Yes, we're thrilled. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> but before we that? start whining <laughs> about working... <laughs> being chained to the corporate man what have you guys been into this week pop culture wise you got anything you're excited about you know this week i've um pop culture wise it's been hard because i've been very obsessed this you'll from last week still obsessed with um law and order svu i found that there's a new (laughs) podcast i know this is super old but i keep thinking about writing about it because my love for the show is so deep i know it is and um Every time I turn it on, I'm like, I can't believe they were talking about this in 2004. Oh, my God. I forgot that they were talking about this in 2007. Right. So, again, it's kind of our brand to, like, look back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see the Nothing things wrong that have changed. That. Um, so I've been doing that. I've been very, very, very obsessed with SZA. Yeah. I've just been like into her music and just feeling like, oh, taking this edible, listen to a little SZA, <laughs> going to be chill today. Um, and then my Peloton, I'm super crazy about it because I'm training for that century. And uh, the music that's popping up on there has been great. Matt Wilber, shout out. I hope you know how much we love you. That's always where I would get like my best music. And I remember one time like when Dua Lipa's album came out and it was like ah! the album, right? It was like Cody Rigsby constantly playing it on Peloton. And I remember one time I said something to Jeremy about Dua Lipa and he was like who I was like this album has been out for a year it's everywhere like what are you talking about I was offended but two things I've been into this week you guys I'm reading the new (laughs) I am a white woman wearing a striped sweater so I have to say that I am reading (laughs) I am reading the new Oprah pick It. It's yeah. called Hello Beautiful. It is fucking fantastic. I've read a hundred pages of it. It's like one of those like family sagas where you're seeing people over the course of years and years and it's going on and I love it. I'm also watching season 11 of Married at First Sight. And Dina, please weigh in on this. Elizabeth and I have been going back and forth about whether or not I should apply for Married at First Sight Chicago. Should I be married to someone we've never met? I mean, I absolutely think yes. yes. Everybody deserves a starter marriage or multiple starter marriages, and that sounds perfect. Dina, a this credit is... and a starter marriage. Yes, girl. Thank you. I've been 
begging, begging Adrian. Do you she, guys think that the podcast would really take off after I was on Married yes. at First Sight? We would do our whole season you, on shows like, like that. <laughs> like, no doubt. Like, it would just be so fire. All right. Well, maybe it, I'll, I'll think of it as publicity and marketing and do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I don't like men that much, as we just know. But like, surely they could find me one I'd like. I think so. <laughs> Odds are very low. One you can stand for like two weeks. Well, and I have then to get go. Forced. I mean, that's yeah. I'd have to go on a honeymoon. So we the the structure of the show is like I walk out in my my wedding dress. I'm already in trouble because I'm not going to wear a white gown. They're probably going to be unhappy with me, right? But maybe green. You know, something. I'm I'm 43. Like we this can't get tragic. So I'm going to wear. I'm going to you know come out in my dress. <laughs> I'm going to marry this stranger. She clearly we're, hasn't been thinking about this at all. <laughs> we're going to have a reception, right? You guys will be there. because yes, of course. And, and you're going to be on TV because yes, they're going to interview you about, like, what do we think about this stranger, right? right. And then they're going to send me to, like, Mexico. with. Do you guys feel comfortable sending me to Mexico with a strange man? Yes, and a TV crew, <laughs> for sure. If Dina and Nina and I, if both of us get to go to Mexico for free, okay, yeah, we're in. Well, and then I come back. And <laughs> right, we're Dina? on your honeymoon now. Yes, like, yes. we're just going on your yes, honeymoon. Yes, and then you guys, I come back, and then you'll have to have, like, brunch with my new husband. Yes. Like, because, listen, my parents are not participating. My family are going to have to be, or my friends are going to have to step in as my family. So you guys will have to have brunch with my new husband. You'll have to come over. They have, like, um, game night where you have to play, like, never have I ever with my I new husband? I am so good at games. I know I you are. I am so good at games. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll apply this week and I will release my application as part of my newsletter. What do you guys think? I've, I've been I asking you to do this yes. for a while. Okay. I'm the one who brought it to your attention. I was it's like, true. you got to do this. And then I was really shocked that you and Taylor weren't like, yes, I'm going to do this immediately. Well, you know, first of all, I think I'm about 10 years older than their target. They yeah. usually have people in their, like, their 30s who are desperate. I already have a child. You know, I've already been divorced. I think that's a great storyline. I asked Max if he would be my bridesmaid. <laughs> he was like, no. <laughs> but I think we could convince him. I love that you texted me. You're like, what if Max is my best man? And I was like, bitch, no. Yeah, she was. She I was, was like, like, no. Sorry, that kid's getting kicked out from yeah. my spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've been through enough. <laughs> it's like, Max, here's your new daddy. You can't stand up here with us. <laughs> I'm sorry, kid. You got to sit down. <laughs> Auntie's got to wear a gorgeous dress and hang out on this beach. <laughs> Well, beware. All of their clothing on all of these shows, I've noticed this on Love is Blind, too. Like, bring in a tailor. What the fuck is happening? Like, into nobody's it. dresses oh, ever fit. Right? Are you watching Love is Blind? Married at first time. No, I'm oh. not. But I. But every one of those shows, I'm yes. just like, really? What where is, is the this? tailor? What is happening here? Yes. Everyone yeah, looks Where like is shit. the tailor? Yes. And a steamer couldn't hurt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dina, are you in into in any pop culture this week, or are you too busy aldering in Madison? I'm, you know, I'm really into. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. it it's sleep on this platform called my bed. Um, that's where <laughs> I'm really. <laughs> that's one. Uh, but I am constantly obsessed with like uh, alien documentaries. Ooh, air what? <laughs> Like the people of Madison right now are like, oh, on... uh-oh. <laughs> we, we made a great decision voting her in. <laughs> hey, Dina. Um, I'm just really, in, like, I've been watching a lot of YouTube things that that just make my, let my mind melt into nothingness and um, Powerpuff Girls. Oh, I love, I love Powerpuff Girls. I love them. Oh, uh, I love, I love that, that evil gold. gorilla. Dina, before we get into our recap, I would oh, Joe, Joe, Joe. Yes. I would love if you would tell people like what's your what's your aldermanic platform? Alder platform. <clears throat> Alder platform, yes. Yeah, like what um, what are you hoping to change or what are you no, hoping aldermanic. to do? Yeah. Alder person. I'm just going to uh, spend time putting Alder. Alder. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I'm alder than no. most people. What are, are what are your goals um, as an alder? Um, my goal is to really find ways to make everyone in Madison trans. Um, so <laughs> we, we knew it. Uh, Keep Madison weird. Wait, I'm not. I wasn't supposed to say that on. <laughs> that was the. That was the quiet part. Um, You're shoving this down our necks. 
<laughs> no, I know. Forbid. <laughs> Men have been doing it for years. Now let a translate. There you um, go. Wait, that sounded weird. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we're <laughs> we're facing so many um, challenges, not only as a city but as a nation. You know, like uh, affordable housing rents are atrocious, and for those of us who experience poverty and um, housing insecurity, like it's a vital that we find solutions for that as soon as possible because, you know, I, I know anybody that's been to LA recently, but the homeless population is out of control and everyone deserves safe and stable housing, right? Right. Yes. Like everyone should have that. Yes. So that, and then a lot of like social initiatives, and of course the the job that I'm going to do is working with developers to build stuff so that we can have places for people to live and 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 uh, increase the income into the city. So oh my god, I could talk to you about really this. Really boring. No, no. it's important. Yeah. yeah, I think I mean yeah, the, the issue the so, issue with homelessness is so complicated um and i don't mean to break down all your dreams now <laughs> before you even get fully officially get into office but like chicago also has a big homeless um no issue. and and i'd love like at some point we can talk about this offline because this yeah. is this is like a big this is a big thing and it matters you know more importantly are you going to take my guns away yeah yeah <laughs> uh yes i hope so i hope so i mean no <laughs> I mean, maybe. Are you are you saying that your your platform is basically house trans people with guns? <laughs> yes. That is a- well, listen, if you ever need us to come to Madison to help to do anything, we yes. love Madison. We're ready. Preferably yeah. in yeah. the summer. You're welcome always. Yes. Well, should we get to it? Yeah, yeah. Come we're, on. We're talking a little bit about work. Yeah. Let's let's, let's get talk to it. about this movie, which I love, which opens with, I just have to say, Jane Fonda rolls into a company, right? Well, first there's a montage of working, you know, which <laughs> yes, is like, all, all women. Obviously women, they're in their like, you know, tennis shoes and their skirts. They're running for the bus. They're and in shit. New York City. Yes. They're all like wearing like nice dress. They're wearing, yes. they're doing the great, great 80s things where mm-hmm. you wear um, stockings with open toe shoes. Yes. Or stockings with tennis shoes. Yes. Which is the best vibe. You <laughs> and, know. Your, and your stockings are always like two shades too dark for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and they're getting hot dogs. Yes. And they're getting kids ready for school. Yes. And they're like just hustling through the city because they, and then they're just boss bitches. And then we see Jane Fonda mm-hmm. doing the classic uh, New York City look where you like look up at a building with a hat on. Yes. <laughs> but her outfit is absurd. Yes. It I is love so it. out of control. She's dressed up like an Easter egg. Her outfit is like a brocade, but it's like blue and pink. And she has like a pink straw hat. I mean, she's totally out of place. She rolls in and she meets Lily Tomlin. Boss bitch. Yes, who just got the assignment that she's going to have to take Jane Fonda on. Yes. And she's like super upset because she's just like, why do I have to take on this new girl? Right, because she's the supervisor. Yes. And so she runs through the whole dynamic. Like we have Roz, the one who's like the kiss ass to the boss. Yes. And she also reminds me, I guess that might be from the Pixar monsters. Remember Roz? Oh, yeah. The secretary who walks around the the monster. Wazowski. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) With the cigarettes. Yes. Yeah. So she might, don't you think she must be the inspiration I for that? I bear sure. no resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, you know, I she, don't look exactly like Ross from Monsters Inc. <laughs> like, <laughs> so she then, um, you know, Lily Tomlin says to Jane, she's just like, hey, like, watch out for Roz. She's like, a, and this is she's important. A gossip. She's yeah. the business, the office gossip. Every time you're in the bathroom, make sure to look for her feet. Yes. This matters. Yes. Yes. And then, um, j- you know, there's all these rules about, uh, like, how you keep your office. It has to stay very yeah. clean. It's like it's living in an Ikea. Office, how you keep your cubicle. You yes. can't have a family photo. You have to have e- efficiency. And, you know, it, this is just not a place anyone wants to work. So then, um, Lily Tomlin takes Jane Fonda to meet the boss man, Mr. Yes. Hart, in his office. And this is one of my favorite parts because he talks about how his business philosophy is teamwork. But then he goes into a speech about how he feels bad for women because they weren't able to play football or baseball. So they don't understand teamwork. Right. <laughs> and the best part is then he asked Lily Tomlin to get him a coffee. Yes. And she's like, this is not what my job description is. Yes. And he says, 
did you just not hear me about this teamwork yeah. business? Yes. Which is yes. so humiliating. Yes. Get a coffee and get a gift for his wife. Yes. And then at this point, we get introduced to... Um, Dolly? Our girl Dolly. Dolly, she comes in. She is wearing the weirdest Dolly. bra I have ever seen. <laughs> it's I totally can, like a 50 style like point bra. It's pointy. It offers no support. So there's a lot of like, you know, tight sweater, titty jiggling pointingness. Yes. Yeah. It's I loved wild. it. wild. <laughs> <laughs> I was so into I was like, oh my God, those titties. And Listen, she, she looks great, but like the bra is odd. Yes. And this is definitely when she has smaller boobs than she currently has, right? Like her boobs are not, they've gotten bigger over the yeah, years. Yeah. Because those, I think, might be her natural boobs. I don't want to, yes. you know. That's I, what I think too. Yeah. I don't want to like, you know, objectify her and like her, that. But her waist is snatched. Yes. Her hips are out. Yes. She's wearing this great outfit. Yes. She looks adorable. Yes. And to your point, her head is like a big cotton ball. It is perfect. Permed and teased, and it is like amazing. Yes. It's just levitating around her head. The higher the hair, the closer to God. Listen, I believe it. She looks fucking great. And as Roger Roger Ebert said, she's very sparkly. Every scene that she's in, people are like, she's adorable. Yes, I love her. But but you guys, all the ladies at the office fucking hate Dolly because they think she is fucking Mr. Hart and she's too pretty and slutty. Yes, I have to interject something here though. Please it's do. like I think that was one of the big things in 80 in the 80s was like a big deal about like divorces because divorces were fairly like starting to become common. Yeah. And it was all it was also like it was early like early feminism, right? Like it's it's let's work hard, but fuck a bitch for being a slut. Yes, and for it's, sure. It's very contradictory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so everyone doesn't like Dolly, and uh, Jane has now adopted the attitude because, of course, she wants to fit in. Right. So Dolly asks her to lunch, and she's like, I can't, I can't, you whore. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's got her pink hat on, you know, she can't go there. Yeah, because the whole rumor is that she's having an affair with Mr. Hart. Right. Who, by the way, does make a big pass on Dolly, and Dolly is not having it. No, he knocks over all the pencils on his desk on purpose so he can look down her dress, and then he pretends like he's going to help her get the pencils, and then he sort of grabs at her. I mean, it's all very 1980s. You know, now Matt Lauer, like, has a, has a button, so he just <laughs> locks the door. You know, it's more discreet, but in the yes. 80s, you know, you would just be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> And they do dedicate a lot of time in, like, this desk scene yes. where he's setting up all the things to get, like, pushed over to the to the to the top. Yeah, and right in that moment his wife shows up. Oh no. And the thing I noticed, you guys, I have been spending some time on the real real lately. I don't know if you guys spend any time on the real real. Dina's nodding. I've been looking at their Louis Vuitton vintage collections. <laughs> and so I definitely noticed that Mr. Hart's wife rolls in in a fur. She's got a <laughs> Louis Vuitton over her shirt. I almost texted you to be like, "Girl, <laughs> Did you see? That's a Louis. She I got to it looked great. And forty three li- years later, that's what they're. Se- that's what they look like on the real, real. I mean, and in stores. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, she and shows, in pictures. Yeah, she shows up, and she is. You know, she's rich, and she wants to go on a cruise. Yes, <laughs> so she's gonna leave. <laughs> So then we start to get to the meat of the story, actually, because um, yes. Mr. Hart, you know, Lily Tomlin's up for a promotion and she realizes she's not going to get this promotion because uh, Mr. Hart was like, well, I got to give it to this dude, as he would, regardless of like all these great ideas. That but wait, has- why does he give it to the dude? Because... They went to school together, right? No, because he has a family he needs to support, which I think was like one of the biggest things that corporations used to say and do, and still maybe. It was was really ugly. And because men prefer to talk to other men about figures. Yes. Figures meaning money, not Dolly's outfit. Uh (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe. (laughs) Um, I also love that the reason that this great idea that she had come up with, Lily, Lily Tomlin, who, by the way, if you don't know what these people do for a living, Neither do we. No, we have no idea. We just know that it's a room full of secretaries. Yeah. We're not sure, like, why they're secretaries. There's a warehouse at some point. (laughs) There's some spreadsheets. The story lacks a little detail, but... um, I don't care. Right. But then (laughs) um, Mr. Hart is like, Lily Tomlin, you've come up with this great, like, color coding system, Mm -hmm. you know? And he's like, and then I'm going to steal that idea, and then I'm not going to promote you, and it's just awful. And so. She's like, I'm getting the heck out of here and going downstairs to Charlie's. And as she's going downstairs to Charlie's, Jane Fonda finds out that one of her friends that she has now made at this new company Mm -hmm. has been fired because she can't work the hours that she needs to work. Mm -hmm. And so Jane Fonda's had enough and she's left. She wants to rise up. And Dolly is mad because um, Lily Tomlin has told her that Mr. Hart, uh, that Mr. Hart said he was fucking her. Yeah. (laughs) 
classic. So the girls are together at the bar and they're wearing their options. They're like, we could quit, but go where? It's the same everywhere. They're like, we could complain, but to who? And then they're like, you know what we'll do? We'll get high and we'll fantasize how we would get rid of Mr. Hart. So how do they, what what are their ideas? Oh my god. So they they all get stoned and they're all laughing at uh, Dolly's house and having wine yeah. and like digging around. This is the most tedious part to me about the movie. Yeah. And when I was watching it, I had forgotten that I actually enjoyed it when I was a kid yeah. and now as an adult, I was like, "Oh my god, why are they even doing this?" Well, it's very slapstick. It's very but, yeah. stupid. So um Jane Fonda's idea is to hunt him down like a, like an animal and then shoot him and then put his head on the wall. Right. Um, Lily Tomlin is uh, basically she's like Snow White and poisons his coffee and then mm-hmm. throws him out the window with like one of these like um, what do we call it? A launcher. Like he kind of launches him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dolly wants to do one where she treats him basically like she treats he treats her yes you know like sexualizing him and then like uh eventually i forget how she kills him she's gonna hog tie him girl oh yeah right she hog ties him and then the real these things happen in real life on a spit. Yes. Yes. yes yes thank you See? she's gonna roast him on a spit so then uh, somehow lily tomlin accidentally poisons him with rat poison in his coffee. Well, because she's a working woman, Adrian, I mean, she's and busy. she during her lunch break she couldn't lunch with the ladies. She yep. had to go run her grocery right. uh, grocery right. uh, errands, and her, the rat poison looks just like the sweetener. The sweetener, yeah. which is called what skinny and sweet or sweet skinny, some shit like that. But <laughs> so, so anyway, all of a sudden, all these things that they had fantasized started coming true. Yes, yes. So they he t- drinks the rat poison. Next thing you know, he's no, at he, the he's hunt. about to drink it. But then he falls on his chair and knocks his head off. Like well, he does head. drink it, but that's why he falls, right? No, I don't think so. I Dina? think that's I think Dina? that's what leads it to to like the whole slapstick part. Oh well, at any rate, this stuff it's not that no, important. No, he didn't. He didn't drink it. It fell. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's not even that important. He goes to the hospital because he fell over, and then there's like a whole mistaken identity of the body. They think he's dead, and then you know Lily Tomlin absconds with a body, thinking that it's him, and right. it's not him. She puts it in her trunk. The girls realize that it's not him. Now they've got this body. You know, it's just like <laughs> it gets so stupid. It's a it little gets really silly. Stupid. Eventually, they kidnap Mr. Hart. Right. <laughs> They put the body, the original body back. Right, yeah. They take the body back and they put it in the bathroom, which is actually funny because then the cleaning people find it. Yes, they're, like, they're like, we got another, yeah. we've got another stiff in the john. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is fucking great. Very 80s. Yes. So and they then, kidnap him because right. his wife is on this cruise because she's rich. Well, at the time, so the, then the gals gather in the bathroom. This is where Roz yeah. comes in. So yeah. the gr- gals gather in the bathroom and they start talking about how Mr. Mr. Hart has shown up to work. Yes. And they're like, oh my God, he showed up to work. So we didn't kill him. Right. We're all fine. <laughs> I can't believe of what we did last night with all this dead body stuff, yes. blah, blah, blah. Roz is in the bathroom, like writing down on a piece of toilet paper. With her with her knees up on her chest so <laughs> nobody can see her feet. <laughs> so she's like writing it all down. She goes back to Mr. Hart and she's yes. like, Mr. Hart, these women try to kill you. He then confronts Dolly with it because he's like, you're going to come over tonight. And she's like, well, Mr. Hart, I'm not working tonight. (laughs) But he's like, no, you are coming over and you're going to work. Otherwise, I'm going to tell call the police and say you guys poisoned me. Yes. So and then she hog ties him with a phone cord. And she says, but I think this is the time she says the best line in the whole movie, Ooh. which is, I'm going to turn you from a rooster to a hen if you keep moving like that. Yes, yeah, she's going to shoot him with her gun because she's got a gun in her purse. Yes. Yeah. Then they kidnap her. They take him to his house because the, the wife's out on business or she's on her on vacation. Her she doesn't work, right? <laughs> Correct. And um, they create like there's this whole scene about like how they're creating like these ways to keep him uh, like tied up you know yeah so they get i mean they have a prisoner he's a full-grown man this part i think Uh, is pretty uh. funny they like (laughs) clearly are trying to like you know make some like bdsm like gay culture kind of jokes like they put a like dog collar on him they like shackle him up to like a pulley system (laughs) yes like (laughs) ceiling of his bedroom and they foreshadow that because a garage the garage door, door. Yes. Yes. A garage door yes. system. That Lily Tomlin installed because yes. she's handy that way. <laughs> <laughs> and 
then um, then they go back to work. And while they're at work and they're trying to cover that Mr. Hart is yeah. not at work. So yeah. they're doing things like Roz is always like, where's Mr. Hart? And they're making up reasons like, why he's, he's not around. Oh, he's or they, in there. Or like they're like, you know, the elevator is closing. They're like, oh, Mr. Hart. You know, yes. it's fucking great. But this is actually the moment where I'm going to say, I know you guys are busy, but perhaps the three of us should rewrite nine to five for the modern era as like a project because we're all very funny because I actually love this part where he is like um, you know he's chained up at home and the women make all these women focused improvements at the office and productivity goes through the roof I love it so they insert daycare they insert like part time work Mm -hmm. or part time sharing hours people can put their photos on their desk they start coloring (laughs) like putting up like uh, painted walls and painted lockers and yes. they're just thriving and having the best time yes. and this is all happening over the course of like six weeks because right. Lily Tomlin realizes that the one thing that they can get over the boss so that he doesn't send them to jail for attempted murder right. is uh, the fact that he's been embezzling from the company right so they're waiting for the forms from the home office which is like what forms your secretaries why Why do you even have a warehouse I love this line you, guy, you gals are out of your mind you think you can keep me here for a week? I'm the boss. You don't think I'll be missed? <laughs> Anyone who's ever had a job is yes. like on the ground dying. <laughs> so then, um, you know, Jane's ex-husband shows up one day when she's babysitting Mr. Hart. There's a kerfluffle. There's some sex jokes. Yeah, and... well, that's a big, that's an important scene, though, because <laughs> Jane. Important? Well, <laughs> I would say one. I think that this is the time where you're supposed to feel like this is empowerment, right? Cause right, Jane's, because Jane's been divorced. Yes. So yeah, okay. And the the husband's like the ex husband's like, I want to get you back. I want you back in my life. And she's like, Go fuck yourself. Right, because he left her for her, his secretary as well. Correct. And you he know. was making judgments about her because he catches Mr. Hart flying in the air. Right. With this police system. Right. With his with like collars. with his collars on. Look, and he's like, Oh shit, this is a sex thing. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, You can't sleep with your boss. Anyways, she's then, like, I'm not. We're just holding him hostage. So while these women are working these shifts at work and then <laughs> while they're working these shifts at work and they're working their shifts with Mr. Hart, mm-hmm. at some point there's an empty spot and the the wife comes home. Right. This is so weird. <laughs> this is so weird. So the wife comes home and like basically it's the 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 whole ploy is up, right? Like they're like, we got you know, we're in trouble now because yeah. Mr. Hart is now set free, and the way that they figure this out is because Mrs. Hart calls Dolly and is like, oh, I just wanted to thank you for those flowers. And Dolly's like, what flowers? And she's like, well, the ones that you that I got in Mexico. And she's like, well, that was Mr. Hart's idea. And she's like, I talked to Mr. Hart. It's not his idea. And this this is all happening. Dolly's like, oh shit. Right. We gotta go. We gotta start moving differently. Right. So they all show up back at the right because they all end up at but the like, office. But none of it makes sense. I don't know. Let's none not dive. Does. Let's move forward. <laughs> Let's fucking move forward. Anyway, he's escaped. That's the point. Yeah. He's escaped. He shows up at the office, but at the same time, the chairman of the board shows up at the office to tell him that he's so thrilled about this twenty percent rise in productivity in like six to eight weeks. Yes, yes. So he's so impressed. He tells him he's going to move Mr. Hart to the office in Brazil. Yes, and and, and the best part about this is nineteen eighty is that Brazil is like treated as if this is like, I don't even know, like Mars, like something <laughs> totally fucking insane. You could never go to Brazil because Mr. Hart is like, no, I can't go to the jungle. Right? <laughs> so he gets shipped off to Brazil. Violet gets promoted to VP. That's Ju- Lily Tomlin. Right? Um, sorry. And uh, Judy, who's Jane Fonda, she gets married to the Xerox rep, of right, course. Obviously. Like what? Who wouldn't? And then, of course, our girl Dolly. She becomes a country singer. Yeah. Working on too far. What a way to make a living. I mean, listen, this movie's insane. I think that the three of us should rewrite a version for like 2025. I would love to, except uh, Alter Alter Martinez. Alter Alter Dina Nina is going to be busy this (laughs) year. (laughs) Maybe you can just come in. A little bit. You can punch up our jokes, though, because you're very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> I'll do it as like a class. I'll be like, let's do punch up. Let's learn yes. to punch up. And then we just punch up the script that we all worked on. <laughs> exactly. Done and done. <laughs> but anyway, so I watched this Let movie. Let me get my writing team together. <laughs> I mean. Anyway, 
this leads me to the very important question, you guys. Is capitalism the root of all yep. evil? <laughs> Dina didn't even let you finish that sentence. <laughs> yes, tell us your thoughts, Dina. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Western capitalism. Yes. This new capitalism, American capitalism, is so messed up. <laughs> and, you know, and everything they did was in the realm of reasonable, you know, movements, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also fun. But I, I I sit there and I'm like, how did Thoroughly Modern Millie walk into this first? Like, I'm like, why did what what was that outfit? 1920s. Let's let's like I felt like that's out of place because nobody else, even on the street, except for like one guy, were wearing hats. And I was yeah. like, what is up with this hat? You guys, there were some questions about just the location because I was like, they open with this New York montage. But I was like, this must be happening like in Dallas. Because, like, the outfit that Jane's got on and then Dolly's, like, entire existence, like, none of this is New York. Well, and Lily Tomlin's, like, all the time making this, like, uh, funny joke about, like, we need to get a locker for your hat. Right. (laughs) She definitely improvised that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Dina, do you think this is part of... I think... Go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that this is, uh, because capitalism, I agree with you, is the root of all evil. Do you think that that's what helped drive you to going into politics? No. <laughs> like, that's a hard one, right? I, yeah. I, it, nine, it was actually nine to five that made me realize that I wanted to uh, <laughs> go into politics. Um, mostly I thought I wanted to wear that pointy bra the whole time. Um, no, I I mean, capitalism is a big part of why I ran. Like I, I, obviously I own a company, so I participate in capitalism, but, but when we lose the, um, focus on humanity and it's solely on acquisition of money and power, then that's a problem, you know? Yeah. Do you think there's a way? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and I think all that happened in that movie was kind of reasonable when you <laughs> consider the the behavior. Do you think there's a way to be an ethical capitalist? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but it all comes down to instead of focusing on the bottom dollar, we're focusing on people. Like mm-hmm. I, I, we've lost that so much, especially with the anonymity of the internet, you know and. And now I'm supposed to be funny, and now I'm just being like serious politician here. So no, we no, want, you, yeah, yeah, it's I important. Mean, um, but yeah, like I mean, I everything I do, I consider myself a mission driven for profit. You know, we uh, our focus is to empower women and queer people through the comedic arts, and and anyone else who wants to come along the ride, as long as they're cool. You know, <laughs> and when you when you put your intention as <laughs> other bodied people on the binary can come in if they want and we'll be nice, you know, like, but as long as we put our intention into not craving acquisition of finances of money and we focus on making cool stuff for cool people and empowering people, then we can participate in a gentler capitalism. That'll be my first book. Gentler <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> Honestly, that's a bestseller. Because I think, like, you know, yeah. as I was watching this, one thing that struck me, so it was released in 1980, the year I was born. And so I quickly knew that was 43 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, has work life changed that much? Like, is it that different than what's happening here right now? I'm like, when they were like, who do we complain to? There's no one to complain to. Where are we going to go? It's the same everywhere. I'm like, that's the exact same stuff that people are saying about their jobs. It's literally the conversation that Elizabeth and I have all the time about like our future careers. Like, well, is there anything better? Mm -hmm. Like doing, or it's, you know, like, are we at the best that it can get? Like, we're just sort of chained to these jobs because we have children that we have to feed and homes that we have to, you know, so it's like if everybody's always trying to find just like the best situation in a total shit situation, I'm like, I don't know. It kind of bummed me out, honestly, that I was like, life doesn't seem that different 43 years later. I I would say this and this, I, you know, I'm an internal optimist as we've talked about before Mm -hmm. on this uh, podcast, but I definitely take a lot of gratitude from what, um, what my experience has been versus what it is now. You know, one of the things I, I talk about a lot and actually we haven't dived that deeply into it in this podcast is, um, when I had Violet, you know, I had two weeks 
and I had to use my paid vacation to have her. Mm-hmm. And then I was like two weeks two weeks later, I was at work with my baby strapped to my chest because mm-hmm. I had to be. And um, seeing people like now being able to take months off mm-hmm. or let fathers get like paternity leave. But I again, do, only at a certain level. Right, correct. You have to have a real white collar job to right. have any and at, of that. And at the right, and at the right companies, right? Because even right. some of the white collar companies aren't going to do that. Right. But there is like, I can see the needle move a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem with the idea of ethical capitalism is that one one door kind of like you're trying to open this door for the daycare centers, right? For these but then you have like this evil corporation behind those that make mm-hmm. it like more difficult to do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's even like uh, in the world of composting or recycling, yeah. you know, for clothing companies that like are trying to trying to make things better. Then they create these other companies that end, end up losing their vision at what they originally started at. And I think that's what we constantly are yeah. saying. Well, and it raises all these questions about like who is in charge of the community? Who should be creating community resources? Dina Nina Martinez. <laughs> well, right. Like is the community creating daycare and yeah. like social structures go ahead dina i will tell you that i i had the most interesting conversation with one of uh, the people that will be my constituent once i'm um sworn in but uh, he mentioned that there was a model for a cooperative um senior care facility and that we should do a cooperative um daycare facility or you know program yeah and i thought that was so fascinating because that gets the community involved that gets mothers who understand what it's like to uh be a working mother involved and it changes the the um fabric of what's happening in our community community uh, we've been separated from community because we silo neighborhoods and people uh, go to work and then come home and then just want to sleep they don't have a work live space primarily throughout the whole country Mm -hmm. but when people have a work live environment where everything's walkable you interact with community more you get more involved in what's happening in your community and that buy-in changes the way we live our lives and it helps everyone now government should be doing that business should be also doing that so that I, i i talk about this a lot but when we are so focused on just making the bare minimum to survive, like rents are expensive, food mm-hmm. is expensive, you know, forget about you're done, you know, and that's not the way this country should be. And the funny thing about this movie is it's right at the beginning as we see the income disparities between upper management right. and and uh, the general worker. So we're we're starting to see that there, but what's happened now is just insane. Yeah. Um, and I think there are more covert ways of being sexist than there were then. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you. I think you know, gosh, having having worked in politics for fifteen years. <laughs> I find one of the things that's really difficult to balance between some of the ideas that you're talking about and um, capitalism is the fact that capital, like the things that we we want to see happen, like all the people who don't have homes to have homes or for people to get the social services that they need from social service people is there's no money. There's no money in it. Right. I mean, I'm definitely like a burn like eat the rich burn it all fucking down and like let's start all over in society because i do agree with you having a community makes you feel invested in it having like you know having a heart toward like humans and other people that are suffering is very important but if you're looking in a capitalist ecosystem then you're stuck with like not having the funds to take care of a social worker who would take care of those homeless people you know i've been I like my job. I do, even though I complain it a lot, a lot. <laughs> but I've been 15 years. I, for, for 15 years, I've never gotten a raise. No one's been like, hey. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's. but I like, you know, there are other benefits to it. One is that I do go to, even though people can make me crazy, I definitely am like, I'm at helpful. I'm helping somebody have their life move to the next level or have something that they can't resolve that I try to resolve. Um, I love it more when I have situations like one time I had a situation where um, this family came in and they had sent their kids to Puerto Rico for the summer and then their apartment flooded and they were living out of a van Mm -hmm. and they were two weeks away from their kids coming home. And so I spent the whole like next couple of weeks just trying to track down homes for them and like get them set up with the vet. I mean with the, uh, 
VA services, like that kind of stuff I really, really love. But I also know if I moved my life into actually being a social worker, I'd make half of what I make now. And so it's it's difficult because these are the services we need, but we don't want to fund this for services. Yeah. No. Well, and when you're looking yeah. at companies to be the cornerstone, then but their bottom line is about their bottom line and their board and their money. Like then, you know, the fact that we just tie health insurance, a basic oh right to having a white collar job, most places, right? You have to have like a white collar job to get health insurance. It's fucking bullshit. You know, and I would say I don't know how you guys grew up, but both my parents were teachers. I would say we were, you know, we I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. Like you can buy a house there for like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, right? So we're not talking. I would say still. we were, yes, yeah, still. <laughs> like I would not say we were upper middle yeah, class. Yeah. Like we were just like regular people. I guess I don't know. That even sounds privileged and fucked up. But I just want to like put it in context. They were teachers. I don't think either of my parents ever made more than seventy thousand dollars a year ever. You know. Know, like when they topped out, but they also paid into pensions and they both retired when they were 55. They've been retired now, both of them, for almost like 20 years. And, you know, they're receiving their pensions and that's great. But like, I think I thought like they were like, you'll go to college and you'll get like a white collar job that's better than being a teacher and you're going to be making more money and it's going to be like, you know, even better. But like the truth of the matter is that's not really the case. Like, yes, I have like a white collar job, but I don't make that much more money than they ever made. And I'm divorced. I'm running a household on my own. And I'm paying into a 403B, which only has like 150 grand in it. I've been paying for it since I was 22. I'm like, I'm never retiring. Like, and I've been trying to follow the plan, right? Like, this is the plan. You get a job and then you like do the things and you keep moving up. And I'm like, actually, this plan is fucked. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for yeah. most people. Yeah. And this is why the Gen Zers are like, like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, I have $100,000 in college debt, and, like, these jobs aren't doing these things for me. Like, I'm not going to be able to do the thing. It's because companies have focused on padding the their upper management's yeah. pockets yeah. instead of doing what we always did before, which is keep our, you know, keep a reasonable distance between the job situation at the highest and the lowest, but yeah. now they've just padded their pockets and become the billionaire class that are, yes, they're doing some great science stuff, but like they're just fucking everything up even more because they have such unrealistic ideas of how the work world moves and a distance between that working class um, so much so that they can demonize us and, 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 you know, make us pretend like we're, you know, chattel. Yeah. Um, I, can, we, can we talk a little bit, too, about, like, um, to your point about uh, health insurance, Adrian? The movie? Well, <laughs> no. no I, w I want to just go back about this because I think this is important to, to probably, t you know, again, it's very important to the queer community in general. But, like, specifically for trans people, there's a challenge with health insurance, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, Dina, in, in your community, what, what do you think you've seen in that world? I mean, I, I can't, I know it, it gets a little dark here, but um, I think it's important for people to hear. I think it's important for people to understand struggles. Uh, all of us are storytellers. Mm -hmm. And I think the power of telling stories is the fact that it helps other people see your perspective and hopefully be um, somewhat uh, empathetic to it. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm, I've experienced poverty, like even... The only way I got through this campaign was because people brought me food. People helped pay for bills. You know, a church paid for a bill for me, you know. Uh, so I understand because I've been a waiter and a comedian and there's no there's no 401k in comedy. Right. <laughs> you know? um, and so I, uh, I, you know, what is retirement? I'm. A million years i you know i'm just short of your parents age you know when they retired and i'm i i don't see retirement and what was the question <laughs> <laughs> it was about health insurance it's about health insurance because like, you're, i'm you're... tired like yeah trans trans people like i've gotten uh, my, a lot of my meds from italy from china for years because that's the only way I could access it financially. There's uh, luckily like Planned Parenthood and, you know, 
Chicago Women's Health Center and um, other smaller clinics not only provide, uh, um, you know, abortion access and, and reproductive care, but most of them also provide trans care, you know, making a little more accessible. But when you don't know about these things and here in Madison, like who's going to think Planned Parenthood has, you know, estrogen or testosterone or whatever you're getting on, you know? Uh, and so there's a lack of connection with the information, but also like a lot of us don't have resources for medical care. You know, I, I haven't been to the doctor. The only reason I have antidepressants right now is because I told my doctor, I was like, look, I'm not going to have this job much longer, which means I'm not going to have insurance much longer. So can you, can we help figure that out? And she was like, yeah, I'll double your pill, you know, and then and double the quantity so that you can get through like a year after you have insurance. And I was like, amazing. But that's the reality of things. And if, if you know, my osteoporosis kicks in and my arm breaks, like, I'm not, like, I'm just going to be a broken arm bitch is, is what it comes down to, you know? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, for trans community, the, the economic disparities that we face, especially trans people of color, especially trans women of color, the economic disparities, the the job discrimination, the housing discrimination, it all impacts our community specifically harder than most. Yeah. Because, I mean, most of the things that I understand and read about is also about that is the fact that, like, you know, a lot of people are thrown out of their families and a lot of people can't find jobs because people are like, oh, well, you look like a woman, even though you're a man, like those kind of very horrible things that people say about um, people in, that are trans. Um, and I think that's really frightening. I actually didn't have a lot of health insurance until I had my first kid, actually. Um, and I never thought about it. I was just like, this is not something that I can spend any time thinking about. Because the fact is, is I'm not having it. Like, I'm not getting it. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. And I'm just going to have to live without having insurance. And once I got, um, once I was pregnant and I had a job that did give me insurance, ever since then, I'm like, I will do everything to claw my way onto an insurance program. <laughs> Like, it's so hard to think that, like, you have to live a whole life without getting, you know, gender affirming care or being able to deliver a baby without being into, like, horrible, horrible debt, a very, a very natural thing to be able to do, or even get medicine for the people that, you know, you care about and yeah. love. It's it's really, it's, ugh, it's and, heartbreaking. I don't know if you guys have seen, like, you know, tell us uh, uh, these TikTok trends, like, tell us about um, the time that America, you realized America really messed you up. <laughs> and it's story, right? And it's story after story of Americans moving to Europe or other places where they're able to um, access health care at an affordable rate. Um, story after story of people saying, I was in an accident after I left the bar. They put me in a, you know, an emergency vehicle and I was like, I can't afford this. And they're like, shut up. We're taking you to the hospital. And then people are like, can I pay you? Can I pay you for this? And they're like, no, or yes, $5, you know, like stuff like that over and over and over again. There's a problem. The rest of the world for the, you know, the rest of the developed world are able to access health care. Right. Healthcare. Like things that we should all have access to. And Americans think we're such a great, great country, but the most of it, most of us can't afford access to healthcare. I went to see most of us can't afford, you know, like, and, and then the, the thought of children being in school and having to do active shooter drills or having guns be the reason that our children are dying more than car accidents like it's just ludicrous we have yeah. we have become a corporatocracy and until the corp corporations that are ruling this country take responsibility for what they've done and invest in health social systems and pay their fair share of taxes yes then we're gonna be a little fucked up like that's yes. just what it comes down to yeah, I, you guys, I went to see Hannah Gadsby um, over the summer and her new show, and she does this whole thing about how Americans hate people with bad luck. And I was like, this is so real. Because she talks about like how she broke her, I think it was her ankle, like on an island in like Iceland. And they like had to helicopter 
in to get her off this island where she had been hiking and like fly her away and, you know, and deal with her and like her medical care. And of course, the bill was like zero dollars because they have like, you know, actual structures to help people. And I think that like if more people understood that every single person is like a second away from becoming disabled, then maybe more people would be more interested in like buying into social structures, creating social structures, because relying on these companies to do it. I'm a revolutionary these days. I'm like, it's bullshit. It's not working. It's like not happening. You know, like, why should I have better health insurance than somebody who works at Starbucks? It's fucking not cool. I definitely, um, Dina, think that when you start working in your office, anytime you have a bad call, you can call me and I will commiserate. Because (laughs) to your your point, Adrian, is... um, I was walking down the street one day in my neighborhood and there was an old man and he was bleeding from his head and he was like, he'd been on the ground for a while. Like the sidewalk was soaked with blood. And, um, you know, me and my husband are like, sir, like what can we do for help you? Like, can we get, and then I was like, Mike, don't pick up, like don't pick this guy up because we don't know what's happening. And, um, I got his phone and I called his family and I was like, Hey, you guys need to come get your, your, your dad or your grandfather or whoever this man is. And they wouldn't answer at first. And I left a message and then we had waited for so long. I was like, I got to call 911. And so the ambulance came at the same time that the family came and the family yelled at me because he could, they're like, you know how much an ambulance costs? And I was like, it's going to be that or you're dad a grandfather is going to be dead right <laughs> it's like the fact that we live in a society that's like this is okay right you know that we're like everyone should have uh their children shot in school but we're not going to cover them over health insurance um i, th- I you know yeah so what do you guys is think it, the solutions it, are solutions are i mean there's who knows what the solutions are but i mean we really have to start thinking about people beyond money and gain like it comes down to we are humans and and i said this in a panel discussion my 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 leftist leanings you know i was like war is a tool of the ruling class to um to play with their little toys and who went who loses we do yeah of course do we win in any of the situation ever no yeah so when our governmental structures start to have um go back to being humans who are working in governmental structures when we start having corporations not influence legislation and when people influence legislation we'll make we'll come up with different ideas like like as somebody who is just getting into government i realized that my that i'm um, a little more optimistic than a lot of people who have worked in the systems forever but also like I came in and and somebody was like, hey, you need to ask for the mayor's endorsement. And I was like, her opponent is a friend of mine. I respect them both. I'm, you know, I have a relationship with them both. I'm not going to ask for either, you know, endorsement. And I'm not not going to give my endorsement because like that would be a rift between my friend and I if she loses, you know. And they were like shocked that I would do that. And I'm like, really? We have politicians and all we're doing is taking everything like like do we not have, you know, uh, guidelines for our personal, you know, code of ethics? Yeah. And I mean, I think we see that in po- in politics today a lot. It's like kind of this like circle jerk yeah. of like, you know, I'll take care of you if you take care of me. I think the hope is actually um, I feel like we're having like, you know, the whole Marie Antoinette, like you know eat let them the rich make, yeah like let <laughs> the me cake, cake moment yeah, yeah. yeah i think that's what's happening right now and i think what matters and i think you know you guys can thank me and adrian later for mm-hmm. running for, for raising kids who are politically savvy and have like very that's impassioned true. um investments in their community and where they they are um but i definitely think that that's what we're seeing like this whole thing I, last week i talked about this is i was super obsessed with the tennessee thing mm-hmm. watching the young kids grow Mm -hmm. up and have the support that Gen Xers definitely did not have to say what they need to say to be like this is what my experience and my experience is real and so if you don't believe me and you're going to keep me down watch me run for office Mm -hmm. and that's where it all starts I cannot tell you the number of times where I have to turn to someone and go I'm sorry ma'am I can't help you the law says blah 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 and we can change the law because it's all fucking made up (laughs) 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 I just 
fucking crazy. The, the, the whole it's literally system. a construct. Yes. And so I think that's where our answers are going to be. And I, I can't fucking wait. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to be 80 years old and being like, I remember when they didn't like trans people going to the same bathroom as I did. <laughs> Let's hope. I mean, one thing I would think or I do think right. is a solution is I think that people with more privilege who can take risk need to take more risk. Hell you yeah. know, like I do feel I had a situation at my work not to be like, I'm a hero. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I've already called us heroes. Well, there's that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I definitely have stood up and said things that were put myself and my job at risk because I felt that the behaviors and things that were happening were not fair to a greater good. And I also felt that like, I'm a single parent, which I think is like, you know, it's not great. You know, you're, you don't have tons of security in that situation, but I still have a lot more security than some other people have, you know, and like people who are financially secure or who are living in communities with more access need to start taking like personal risk to help protect other people because the way I see all these things going on like I tell Elizabeth this all the time like AI is going to take away the middle class entirely we're going to have fucking rich ass people and poor ass people because there's not going to be any jobs in the middle anymore and like so everybody who thinks they're middle class and doing great right now needs to realize that their kids are probably not going to be that great like unless you're fucking coming from lots of like generational wealth there's going to be big problems like everyone needs to start to give a shit yeah, I, mm-hmm. Dina, we're we're gonna have to get start wrapping up oh, soon. No. But on but oh, on no. this on this conversation, I I would like to know if you're looking at not just your constituency, but like these young these young children who are like coming up now. You know, these twenty year olds, these eighteen year olds. What would you say to them? Like, what what things would you give them as advice in living their regular life and how important it is to get involved in their community? Yeah. Um, I would just say talk to my 21 year old um, colleague who just got elected to city council. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, talk to my 20 some uh, 20 you know early 20s other colleague who's elected to city council. Like do the only way we can make a better world is when people are involved and they take interest. And we've been so in this place of don't think about it it's much politics are hard you know there's not enough resource for everybody and if the if we cared about this planet if we cared about people on this planet we would not be okay with one person having billions and billions of dollars let's be clear there are resources for all of us but some people are hoarding them and keeping them we we constantly say there's not enough money there's not enough this there is enough money if people would pay their share and equitably uh, distribute the wealth instead of hoarding it yeah yeah i I think you know know, all all the, the the vast majority of the problems of this planet would be solved if all of these billionaires would put their money towards making sure that there there were n- no homelessness, that that we were feeding everybody around the country or world, you know, like if they got involved and decided to make a change, they could make that change for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. That has been my time. <laughs> uh, I'm... <laughs> Well, I also to to Adrian um, when you're talking about general generational wealth, I think that's also a really interesting thing, which I know we don't have time to talk about necessarily right now. But I um, I feel like can we hold that into your pocket? Like we can move it into another movie at some point. Yeah, yeah because I course. do think like one of the things that you and I talk about cons- consistently, and I think Dina, you probably know this, is that we've had to work really fucking hard, even though you know I'm in a fairly good position in life at this point and Adrian's okay somewhat you know compared to other people and you're you're hopefully have a long future in politics um having to fight for every single moment and every scrap is goddamn exhausting like I want to be I want to be a Gwyneth Paltrow and be able to be like, I lost half a day of skiing <laughs> and feel good about it you know and I think generational wealth yeah. does like it just it's that's that's where you think 
is your lowest day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, of course, and it yeah. changes literally everything, every access that you have, you know? Like, if you're at an Ivy League college, that changes the trajectory of your life, you know? If you have, you know, the people that your parents and your family or your friends with are also people with generational wealth. Like, it, it, sky, it can skyrocket you in ways, like, you're like, oh, I want to publish a book. Well, we already know, like, five people who work in this industry or who have this success or whatever. So it's like everybody else is just, like constantly, you know, really struggling to like keep moving forward. And, you know, the one thing, well, I think we're going to have to watch Baby Boom next season because I really do want to talk about motherhood and careers because I really feel that like I was told in the 80s, like you can have it all. You can have a baby and you can have a job. You're definitely going to college. And like, really, the truth is you can't have it all. You just have it all. Like nobody, (laughs) there's no fucking breaks. There's no help. Like you can have the kid, but you're going to be the one that's also working on top of that while also changing its diapers and also doing all this other shit. And it's fucked up. Yes. Yeah. Um, For another day. Even not being a parent and not having a partner is so hard yeah to get everything together and get everything done and take care of your stuff right so yeah yeah yeah. but love that oh my god what a great episode (laughs) yeah dina i love i always love having you um this was like it it got really super deep i think it just had touched both your your your, your, all of our passion buttons yes because it's real stuff that i wish i had more like direct ways of fixing Yeah. And I don't know that like people in the middle class, at least, you know, white people like (laughs) (laughs) like when I think about like some of my, you know, white compatriots, I'm like, I'm not sure these are the issues that they are, you know, wrestling with because it's like the system's working well enough for them. Right. You know, and that's where I think we really need to like do more work like for now. Yeah, that's exa- I totally agree. I don't think it's going to work forever. Yeah. yeah. I was, do you have advice yeah. for white women? <laughs> As a white woman, we need to be we really need to calm down <laughs> and support those around us who are struggling. Yes. Yeah. Um, Also, I need to say this. I need to comment to Ebert or whoever was the one that was commenting. Dolly's performance was okay. (laughs) I almost forgot we watched a movie. (laughs) Wait, you're was okay. You're coming with the hot take. (laughs) (laughs) That she's just an okay actress. Her charm is what made her part. (laughs) Like, her charm was like, you feel that charm, but like, I was like, wow. Okay, Dolly, that's. You decided to deliver that line. <laughs> what was your favorite part about the movie? Um, my favorite was part was watching Dabney Coleman run back and forth <laughs> with the trash bin over his head. <laughs> oh, right, when she's trying to shoot him, yeah, like a, like one of those duck yeah, games. Yeah, when Violet yeah. was, it was like, I was like, ha. I had a little Dabney. trouble with the whole, you know, school shooter, office shooter oh. situation. And I was like, wow, yeah. the 80s, you know, when we didn't necessarily, anyone mm. could have an AR-17 or whatever the fuck it is. And so it was a, a simpler time where <laughs> it was. School, office shootings could still be humorous. Right. <laughs> shootings were super fun. Um, Dina, do you have any movies that you would recommend? Like if someone watched this movie and was like, I love 9 to 5, what would you tell them to watch aside from that? Jennifer's body. <laughs> a very simpatico movie. Obviously. It was very femme focused. It yes. was really great. Yes. <laughs> well, you guys, um, I, I just watched Air, yeah. which was about, you know, Michael Jordan's shoe deal. Oh, yeah. It's again about zillions of dollars, you know, but eh, I mean, Viola Davis definitely makes the point that, you know, their family had been living in North Carolina since um, they had gotten, you know, since the Civil War. Like, you know, so like, fuck yeah, Michael Jordan, get this money. But then you're also kind of like, I don't know, how much money does one fucking person need? Right. But it's a great movie. I recommend it. Right. It is also takes place in an office. I don't think that <laughs> I was like, I don't think that I have one to recommend. But I do remember, and we can put this on another season. But I remember being a kid and really loving um, the best little whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> yes. Did you uh... see it? I'm pretty sure Adrian hasn't seen it. I have seen it. It's a different kind of office. (laughs) (laughs) It is definitely a different kind of office. 
<laughs> Still a place I couldn't of watch it when I was when it came out because my mom was like, "No, we're not going to watch that whorehouse stuff. That's against yeah. Jesus." Isn't Tom Selleck in it? <laughs> Sorry, I, I think it's Burt Reynolds. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah well, they're the Burt same Reynolds. person. Yeah, okay. and I think is isn't is Dagny in there too? With that rug of a chest. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I loved him. All right. So thanks for listening to Don't Ruin This For Me. Uh, Special thanks to the Lincoln Lodge, our producer, Christine Ferreira, and our graphic designer, Jessica Savage. Ooh. Ooh. And hey, I know everyone is looking for even more Adrian and Elizabeth. And you can find us on our Substack newsletters. Mine's called Where the Fuck's My Happy Ending. And Elizabeth is called Mixed Race Tape. And you can follow the pod on Instagram at Don't Ruin This Pod. And Dina, where can everybody find you? (laughs) <laughs> Dina's frozen. You can find She's me back. on all the social media <laughs> at Dina Nina XO. Ooh, yes. I love it. And at your future office in Madison. <laughs> <laughs> yes you're gonna love me for promoting Please that just drop by because <laughs> that's what all politicians love is yeah. a visit from their constituents <laughs> <laughs> Woo. all right come back next week to talk about the horrors of art school Oof. as we talk about fame i'm gonna, gonna wait. live forever i'm, I'm gonna, gonna learn oh, how to fly well, I think we should end there, but I will do our plug for supporting middle-aged voices by rating and reviewing Don't Ruin This For Me on your favorite podcast app. And yeah, we love you. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>